Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Taking the Fields, a 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, John Fields, and joining me today, as always, is Matthew Bruni. Bernie, how are you doing today, man? Um, I'm doing well. I actually, I, I want to play basketball yesterday. Well, I played basketball past two days. Um, okay, and, I'm, okay. I'm, and I'm not as, I'm not as spry as I used to be. Um, <laughs> as far as afterwards during, during the games, I'm fine. I'm, I'm still playing well. Uh, but I played for like, I got strung into playing for like two hours yesterday, full court. Oh, and man. I was like, man, I, I knew I was going to feel it. And sure enough, I hardly get out of bed this morning. I was like, nope, <laughs> these legs are going to have to pop some Tylenol. This is just awful. So that's how I'm doing this morning. Yeah, you got to get on that TB12 recovery plan or whatever he's got going on, right? Yeah, I got to get on the, I think DJ, DJ Draper used to tell me a Pedialyte. So I'm going to have to get on the Pedialyte uh, <laughs> recovery system here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, until then, I'm, I'm going to be struggling. Oh, but, man. But yeah, we got a got a lot to talk about with this North Texas basketball team. I'm excited for it. I was um, able to watch both those games, um, albeit I did not watch the second half of the UT Arlington game because I could not bring myself last night to to watch that. But I watched the Buffalo game and I have some some pretty good takeaways from that one. So I'm excited to talk about it. For sure. Yeah, we've got, you know, two North Texas games this week, which is always exciting to see. Uh, had the Buffalo game on Monday, which just a quick recap, North Texas ends up losing that one, 69-66. Uh, had a couple chances to tie it late with three pointers after Tyler Perry got a steal, but unfortunately missed both of those. And then flash forward to last night in the UT Arlington game. And I mean, there was never really a doubt how that one was going to go. UNT goes up 8-0 early before UTA gets its first field goal, I think led 25 to three at one point in the first half, end up beating UTA 64, 36. So never much of a doubt in that one, not much fight from UTA, but uh, overall North Texas goes one and one on the week with, you know, a tough loss that from talking to the players, it seems like that Buffalo loss is one that's going to stick with them for a while, just with all the chances they had to win it down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, the Buffalo one was, was weird to me. Cause I, I tweeted this last night. I mean, I think they win that game 80% of the time and just the Buffalo hits a contested couple contested threes. They had a little runner where there's guys falling down. Um, albeit, I don't think North Texas defense was as good as it needed to be late, but still there were some shots that went in for Buffalo. You're like, all right. Well, meanwhile, North Texas was getting, you know, good looks from three, getting good looks in the paint. I mean, uh, the, the putback from, I think JJ and Thomas uh, with like a couple with a minute or two left that just couldn't go, didn't go in. And you're just like, Oh mm. my gosh. Like, like they were right there. And there was, and for a, at least 75% of the game, they were winning. They were up the first 30 minutes of the game. Basically they were outplaying them. Um, I mean, I know Buffalo started strong and then North Texas took over from there, but I mean, I thought for a majority of the game, North Texas looked like the better team and this is a game going into it. I was worried about North Texas, like significantly worried. I don't, I don't know if I told you this, John, um, but I mean, Buffalo is a hell of a team. Like this is, yeah. this is, this is a team that finished 77th in the, in Kim Palm last year. Uh, and they only their, lost by in, like eight to Michigan. And then they go and lose by eight to Michigan and they play really well in that game. And they are the last year they finished 16th in terms of pace in the country. They're comfortable getting up and down. They can score the ball. Um, and for context, North Texas ends up finishing 72nd in the, in the Ken Palm uh, standings. And that's after beating 
Purdue. So they took like a jump up after that. So we're talking again, elite teams here, uh, elite mid-major teams. And so I was like, I don't know if this North Texas team with how much overhaul they've had, if they're quite ready for a team this good, this early, like this is basically their first real game because Oklahoma Christian was like a scrimmage Um, and they had Arkansas (laughs) as well. But um, like I was really worried about it. And for them to have played as well as they played and to have a chance that, in my opinion, probably should have won the game. I mean, if nothing else, go to overtime. JJ, that three is wide open. He's a plus 35% three-point shooter. I mean, that's a great look. So I thought it was a great result. I thought it was a great game. I don't put too much stock into wins and losses preseason because I don't – I mean, yes, there's hypothetically a chance North Texas at a at-large bid, like if they win all these games, like if they beat Kansas, they beat Buffalo, and then they have a really good conference season. Yes, that is a possibility. But for me, I've always looked at it. I mean, Conference USA, expect a one-bid league. So yeah. that's what I'm going to go into that you're expecting. And North Texas, why not? I mean, after the way we saw them play this week, there's no reason why they can't win it again. No, I 100% agree, man. There were a lot of positive signs in that game. And I think that is just what's going to really carry this team is if they can put four quarters together of that defense they had. Because like you said, I mean, down the stretch, Buffalo just got hot. They made all nine of their last field goal attempts, which was just absurd compared to North Texas missing their last 11 field goals in a row. So, I mean, it just was one of those little like I don't know if freak ending is the best way to put it, but it was just such a strange thing to watch where Buffalo, even some of the tough, ridiculous shots, contested shots they got up, they were still hitting them. And then, like you said, North Texas has two chances to hit three late. J.J. Murray's was wide open, but even Tyler Perry's wasn't an awful look. It was kind of contested, but he got a decent look up off that steal too. So, I mean, to me, I'd, I'd tend to agree with you. And I'd even go a little further, which is just North Texas, like – under McCaslin, they've had a lot of big wins, especially that Purdue win last year, but early in non-conference play, they just haven't found a way to beat teams like this. So it, it is a little concerning because they have a big time chance here to beat Buffalo. You talk about that Loyola Chicago game last year where they had a real chance, some other games, uh, Mississippi state was another, they had a chance against a good team in, in the McCaslin era, even Oklahoma, I think two years ago came down to Oklahoma, hit a last second shot and North Texas couldn't get it done. BCU it's two just, years ago as well. Yeah. It's just all of these non-conference games against good teams. They seem to always give themselves a chance, but they can never quite get over the hump. So that is a little concerning for me because this was a great opportunity to do that. If the thing is, and this is, I have gone into the, I kind of just completely adjusted my thinking at this point and it kind of adjusted last year as well, but like, Again, I, I don't care about wins and losses in the non in the non conference season. Uh, just because we've sat through two years ago when they won that first conference championship, they they lost to like, I mean they lost to VCU in a close game. They lose to Arkansas. Um, they get blown out by Arkansas, and then they lose at home to Eastern Michigan. And I remember that mm-hmm. Eastern Michigan game. Me like, okay, like what's wrong with this team? Like this team isn't that good. They st- I mean, then they go and lose to Rhode Island. Then they lose to Utah State. And you're they they're at this point. They go through the non-conference schedule at six and seven, right? Yeah. So they finish the non-conference season at six and seven or six and six. I don't remember which one. Regardless, then you go to last year, and I believe they finished non-conference. I'm not going to guess this. I believe it was. I thought it was four and six. One, two, three. That four, sounds about right. Four. I believe it's. 
I'm not going to guess it. Four and four, something like that. Regardless, again, not, not impressive. You have those losses like West Virginia, Mississippi State, and whatnot. For me, it's just I can't get myself to feel anger or feel like, damn, man, they missed a chance. Because for me, the chance is in conference play. Like, it's winning yeah. the conference. It's winning the conference tournament. Those losses last year to UAB – are bigger to me than the, than the losses to like Mississippi state, because if they were to beat UAB twice, they probably, I think they win the regular season title. I believe it is. I think um, so. Or for the, for the division at least. So um, I, again, I leave this game, the Buffalo game and we'll get to the UT Arlington game. And I'm just like, I feel a lot better because I didn't feel good about this team going in. If we want to get into specifics about this team, um, looking at kind of a bigger, broader point. I mean, I guess, with uh, the UTA game being the way it was. If, if you want to talk about the UTA game first, we can, and then go big picture. Yeah, yeah, we can hop into that. So as I said before, North Texas wins 64-36 over UTA. Never really in doubt. I mean, UTA looked like a team that was just, to me at least, they looked like a team that was kind of tired from their overtime loss to ACU two nights ago on a Tuesday night. They had a three-point lead late before ACU, Abilene Christian, uh, tied the game up with a three-pointer at the buzzer, and then Abilene Christian ends up winning it in OT, I think 80-71 to or 70-61, to something like that. Mm -hmm. But UTA just never really had a lot of fight. Even when they tacked on a few points down the stretch, they just didn't have a whole lot. And the telling stat to me, which I didn't end up including in my recap, but it was still interesting, was – Last year, or not, yeah, I guess last year against UTEP, North Texas allowed 33 points, which was the fewest in the McCaslin era. And they dang near tied that record against UTA just with how awful a shooting night UTA was having and everything not going their way. Forced 21 turnovers on the night, which I thought was a promising thing to see as well. A lot of steals. Um, So overall, I mean, they just did what they needed to to pull away in the first half and basically rode that cushion the rest of the way. Uh, yeah, that that killer instinct was there right off the jump, and that was yeah. really good to see. Because um, coming off that loss, I I thought I thought they were going to win. I didn't think UTA was a great team, but they really really jumped on them. I think UTA has seven turnovers in the first seven minutes of the game. Uh, the defense was great. Um, UTA was very unimpressive in how they played, but still you got to give credit to North Texas. Um, Thomas Bell shot the ball better, and we'll get into specifics later. But I mean, you know, just a a, a, a really strong effort and an effort that I was pleased to see after that Buffalo loss. No, I agree. And what, what you could see, I guess, somewhat in the second half, I mean, the offense obviously, you know, took a dip, but to me, I mean, you don't love to see the offense take a dip like that, but when you've got, you know, essentially no fight from the team you're going against, like the game's over at that point, it becomes easy to settle for shots like that. And I mean, they talked about needing to be better about that post game, not settling for so many shots when you're up big like that, you know, completely just, you know, putting your foot on the neck and, you know, finishing the deal. But I mean, UTA just never had enough fight, you know, to really get back in it and, you know, force North Texas into, I guess, playing better in the second half. So not terribly concerning at that point. Cause like I said earlier, the game was basically over at halftime. Yeah. Only one team should leave this game upset that, that much. <laughs> that, that, that's all I'll say. I don't, I don't care yeah. about the second half at all. That was, that game was over in a hurry. Um, but yeah, if we want to talk like some big picture stuff, like I said, I was concerned going into the year. One of the concerns that quelled kind of quickly for me 
Well, there's a there's a few actually that that quelled. Um, I guess I'll start on the defense side of the ball because I think this defense, I knew it was going to be solid. I I had concerns without Zach Simmons. I had concerns without James Reese if they were going to be as good. I think they are poised to be as good. I don't think they're there yet, but yeah. just their starting JJ Murray. Um, Abu is significantly quicker. He mm-hmm. has been. I, I I'm not gonna say he's been great, but I think he he has the potential to be really, really solid this year, just in his movement, just in his rebounding, his, you could just tell everywhere he goes, however he moves, it's just way more comfortable this year. So that's a big plus. And then Thomas Bell is still doing his thing on the defense in the rebounding uh, category and Tyler Perry, not for nothing, man. Tyler Perry has been a real, real rock at the point guard position for um, when yeah. he's in the game on defense. Like I've been really impressed with how he's moved his feet, stayed in front of guards. So defensively, I'm feeling really good. And they obviously the UT Arlington game alone, you just look at that and you're like, all right, that's a hell of a performance. But the Buffalo game, like I said, Buffalo is is is, is a legitimate team. We're talking about a team that finished 16th in country and pace. They were top 100 in offense last year. Um, a team that if they were in Conference USA last year, they are definitely in contention with those other really good teams, right? Um, and this year, it would be the same thing. They would be one of the top teams in Conference USA. And so I leave that game holding in the, what was it, 66 points. And yeah, 69. 69 points. Sorry, no, Texas at 66. But yeah, I was. I was impressed with that. I, and I think that they did a good job. I thought Buffalo hit some tough shots. Buffalo shot nine of 22 from three. And we know that some, some of those were more difficult than others. And so you just kind of live tip your cap, but great. I mean, the defense is, is farther along than I thought it was going to be. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think just going a little back to what I was saying, I mean, the 21 turnovers against UTA was maybe the most promising thing to me. Cause I agree. I like, what we saw out of the defense uh, against Buffalo, but being able to force that many turnovers and get a bunch of steals where you lose a guy like Reese, who was big getting those kind of steals, you lose that paint presence in Zach Simmons and Abu seems like he's stepping in there nicely. So I agree with you. I think the defense has been super promising. Love to see those turnovers early on. And one of the other guys individually, I wanted to highlight a little bit was Ruben Jones because McCaslin mentioned this after the game, but he's been one of the guys who's sort of taking it on himself to guard the other team's best player game in and game out now. Yeah. And he didn't always look great against Buffalo doing that. I think there were a couple di- times down the stretch, he got beat to the lane yep. and I was concerned about that, but then he comes out against UTA. He was one of the guys guarding Azor for extended stretches, I think. And he did a dang good job. None of the UTA players, I think got over like five or six points on the game, which was just absurd. and I think I got to give credit to Ruben his defense was I I didn't have any complaints with it against UTA at all I think he did a really good job and I could see him being a significant piece of this defense you know guarding some team's best players just with his size and his athleticism yeah they they need him to be they need him to be really good um because he is taking that James Reese role right like he's He's, he might be taller than Reese, even even though we consider him more of a guard than Reese was. Um, and Reese obviously had a lot of bounce to him. But, uh, yeah, he's going to have to be really good. I thought uh, the same thing you thought. The Buffalo game I thought was real shaky from him. I thought there were some times where he just tried to crowd the, defense, crowd the ball handler and got blown by. Um, 
And it's like, when a guy gets a step on him, I question his like recovery ability. You know, he's not quite able oh, yeah. to like get back in position. It's like, if a guy goes, he goes on him. So, um, but I, I agree. They need him to be really good defensively. And um, he's kind of adjusting to that role. I think, I mean, I talked before the season to, to coach Reem and it was like, you know, he's figuring it out and uh, figuring out what it's like to play 35 minutes or, you know, 30 minutes instead of 10 minutes, you know, that's a big jump and it's a big disparity for him. So um, I think he'll get better as the season goes on. Uh, if we want to stay on Ruben for, for a second, just talk about his offense. I, I think he's also been, I mean, to me, he's also been struggling on that. And I don't have the, let me see oh, yeah. in front of me. Yeah. I mean, he went one of five against uh, Buffalo, two of eight against UT Arlington. Um, I didn't think he was great against Oklahoma Christian either. So we're talking three games. He's still kind of finding his footing. I think with the way Tyler and Drez have been producing, you know, he's kind of been on the back burner, but they're going to need him to create off the dribble. I mean, we talked about this before the season with JV on Hamlet out or not, I mean, gone. They're going to, it's going to have to be more committee type thing. While I think Tyler is great. I think Drez is good. I think uh, JJ is good. Um, they're going to need Ruben is might be the most naturally talented playmaker of that entire group. And he yeah. hasn't shown it yet. So that's, that's a concern for me. He's going to have to get it going. And I, I believe he will. He had five assists against, uh, against Buffalo. And so it's not like he's incapable, but it's just, you know, getting there. On no, a I a hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that on Ruben. I think he is still sort of finding that balance between, when he needs to be attacking, when he needs to be setting up for others and just sort of finding the balance on that offensive side for him is going to be obviously the biggest thing going forward. I think the shot's going to come. We saw last year he hit like 40% of his threes. Yeah. Um, the finishing in the lane is a bit concerning for me because even last year he wasn't good at that. I think he was like 40% from three and he was even less than that in the lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm interested to see how much he can improve on that as the year goes on, but the three-point shot, I feel like, will at least come, and that'll just open it up for everybody else. And, I mean, to piggyback off of that, one of those lineups that they went to a ton, obviously it's been the same starters with Ruben, JJ, Thomas, Drez, and Abu. But they went with Tyler um, in for JJ quite a bit. And when you have Tyler Perry on the floor bringing the ball up and, you know, initiating the offense a bit, I think that opened Ruben up a little too. He ends up hitting a couple threes on the night, which was nice to see. So, I mean, obviously, Tyler's not going to be out there the entire game, but when you've got a guy like that who can make it easier for Ruben on a night where he might be struggling a little bit, I mean, that just makes this team that much more dangerous because, you know, there's not just the one ball handler who you shut this guy down, it's over. Yeah. Uh, Ruben, he doesn't have like that in-between game either. You know, the little like Tyler yeah. has a floater, you know, it's it's kind of like it's all or nothing with him getting to the rim. Uh, but let's talk about Tyler Perry, man. That, that oh, dude... dude. I, he's been better than I, I thought. And I thought he was going to be really good. Like I watched like five of his junior college games, like live. like I was watching those Coffeeville college games on YouTube. They were streaming them and I was like, okay, this dude's good, but you know, he's five eleven. I don't know how it's going to translate. And I think I mentioned this before the season, but having a guy who can come off a ball screen and just pull it from three, just take a dribble yeah. and pull it it's different. It's a different element that this team hasn't had. Um, but, and so, well, I, he's definitely, he's not at the JV on Hamlet level to where I trust him like late in games. And I think that showed against Buffalo, like late, late in games, they weren't able to like get great looks, but I mean, shoosh. I mean, he's, what, what more can you say from him? He's just continuing to light it up. His shot is smooth. He had the one, I think it was against UT, 
I believe it was UTA where he was like had like a half spin back from the three point line and then took a, took a dribble and hit a three. Yeah, um, that shot was crazy. I mean, the dude is just filling it up. He's amazing, and he had against uh, against Buffalo. He ended up with what was it, eighteen points, five assists, four steals, five eleven shooting. What a what a player! What a player! Just another JUCO gem. Yeah, and you talked about that in-between game. That might be the part of his game that's impressed me the most is just those floaters because he can hit it with both hands legitimately. He had a right-hand one earlier in the year, and then I think it was the Buffalo game where he had a left-handed floater, pin the guy on his back, and hit that. And I was like, dude, this guy is a freaking certified hooper. Like, not a lot of guys have that in their bag where they can hit a floater not only with their dominant hand but with their offhand too. And, I mean (laughs) – He's just impressed the hell out of me. And the one thing that I haven't even really noticed until just now is he had four steals against Buffalo. He has four steals again against UTA. Like he's got to be one of the top in the entire country in terms of steals per game this year. Um, I saw some stat. It was like steal percentage. And I think Tyler was like sixth in the country. A couple of UAB guys were like top 15. It was a UAB person posted it. It was Juan Jackson. Yeah. And Quan Jackson's going to be a tough matchup, you know, coming into conference play. They didn't see him last year with that injury, but he's going to be a big guy to have to face. But I mean, going back to Tyler Perry, the playmaking's been there. The shot making's been there. I mean, he came in early in games and I was like, I don't know if this dude can miss when he takes his first shot of the game. Like, it seems like every time he takes that first shot, it's just, you know, it's going in. Yeah. I'm trying to, I think they played Quan Jackson at the end because in the first, at the beginning, he was going to be out. And then they reset. Did, did he get in for that tournament game? At the well, at the end of the season, I, he played. Did he not? Oh, am I wrong? I don't think so. I thought he was okay. out for the year, but okay. I could be tripping. No, 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 no. Quan Jackson definitely played. He definitely played. I'm almost positive of that, but we'll, we'll see. We'll look it up afterwards. Who cares about UAB? Um, they, I did watch a little bit of that game against South Carolina, though, and I feel like if they were really that good, they should have won that game because South Carolina is not that good. Um, so that's, I mean, the rest of the Conference USA, not going to talk about it too much, but hasn't looked world like world beaters. So, and North Texas over here, I think if they would have beat the ball, if they would be Buffalo, I'd go, I'd just, I'd place all my money on North Texas winning the conference at that point. Just <laughs> that's a, that's a hell of a result. And I'm still really high on them. So uh, anyways, uh, a couple other players here uh, talking about, we talking about Thomas real quick. I think he's been great. Um, but damn, he couldn't shoot the ball to save his life against Buffalo. Yeah. Could not like just air ball, air ball, uh, Oh, a six from three. So, uh, that was really concerning because when he can't shoot, they have two guys on the court that can't shoot and that's Abu and Thomas, unless he's playing the five, obviously. Um, yeah. So that's a really big deal. They need him to be able to shoot the ball at like a 33% clip probably, um, and he didn't do that against Buffalo, which hurt them a lot. If he makes those, uh, you know, makes a couple of threes, they, they win the game. But um, against UTA, he bounced back, shot three or five from three. I mean, the form is the form, the way it was, the way it shot. It's not the, you know, picture perfect stroke, which always irks me, I, I think, with anybody at <laughs> college level. Um, not saying Thomas' shot is ugly, but it's, you know, it's, it's a little abnormal in that regard. So, but he bounces back three or five from three, six to six from the free throw line. 19 six still five turnovers against UTA uh not great but what do you think about Thomas's performance so far no I thought it was a great bounce back for him because like you said I mean it was just ugly in that Buffalo game where it didn't seem like he could hit much of anything and talked with McCasland after the game and that was one of the things he said was after that Buffalo game I mean 
they had to pull him out of the gym basically. Like he didn't want to leave the gym. He was getting up shots after the game, last guy to leave the gym. And then, you know, the next game he comes out and he ends up having, you know, probably his best shooting game of the season so far. So it's just promising to see that from a guy where, you know, after a tough night like that, he gets in the gym, gets the work in that he needs to get in. And then it shows the next game, you know, just like that. So to me, I'm not concerned too much about Thomas. I think the shooting's fine. The one thing I am concerned, or maybe two things, is the turnovers for him. I think he had five turnovers against UTA. And then the fouls as well, because he's had some foul trouble early. I think he fouled out of that Arkansas exhibition. And then he had four fouls against UTA. Several guys, Hamir Wright and then Aaron Scott, had four fouls as well. So to me, the fouls are going to be a concern going forward. Staying out of foul trouble, especially for Thomas, is going to be big. But I mean, for Hamir as well, if they want to go to some of those big lineups, it looks like they can go small. But if Thomas is in foul trouble, you can't have Hamir get in foul trouble too, because then you're missing another big who can play that spot. Um, and Aaron Scott is Thomas Bell's backup. So, like, if you have all of those guys in foul trouble, it doesn't bode well at all. So, to me, if they can limit the turnovers, limit the fouls, they're going to be okay. But those are probably the two areas of concern for me going forward. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I don't have too much on Drez. I think Drez has been been really – I think he's going to be really good. Like, the way he's been able oh, yeah. to drive the basket. Um, I still trust his three-point shot. Um I mean, even five of eight from three against Buffalo. What do you go against UTA? One of one of five. I knew it was a drop off. Um, but I mean, hell, I trust him to shoot 40% on the season at this point. Um, I don't have too much on him. Do you? No, that you pretty much summed it up. Yeah. Um, JJ's been a little concerning for me. I, I do want to see him do a bit more, but Overall, I can't ask him to do too much. I didn't expect him to like set the world on fire, but I will say, yeah. I think what he, he went one of four against Buffalo and he went, he didn't do much. one against UTA. one against UTA. So, I mean, you got to at least be a threat on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not saying he's not because he get he does a good job penetrating and getting two feet in the paint and, you know, kind of igniting their offense that way and getting some offense rebounds. But, you know, you got to be able to hit the open three. That's the biggest thing. Make your open threes. So a hundred percent. And that's going to be, I think that was part of the reason why Tyler Perry was coming in for him so much. Cause I felt like earlier in the year, Perry was coming in a little more for Drez instead. Mm-hmm. And I think just with some of the struggles JJ's had on the offensive end, they were like, well, let's get Perry out there. Cause you know, Drez, T-Bell, Ruben Jones, Abu, all those guys can defend. And Tyler Perry's shown an ability to defend well enough that his offense is just too valuable not to have on the court at that point. Yeah. Uh, let's talk real quick about Hamir and Aaron Scott, uh, kind of the mm-hmm. seventh and eighth men on this team. Uh, Hamir has been concerning for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but yeah, it's, he's, he hasn't been great. He hasn't looked really comfortable out there. It looks like he hasn't handled like the, the uptick in physicality really mm-hmm. well. Um, not saying he's not boxing out and not doing a good job in that aspect, but you know, just overall, the, the game has been looked like it's been a little fast and a little more physical than he's used to. So um, that's just what it's looked like for me. And he hasn't really done much on the on the offense side of the ball. No, I agree. And it's kind of crazy because coming from Washington, you know, a Pac-12 team, you wouldn't think that would be too much of an issue. But it just seems like some of that is his style of play. He's not this like smash you in the paint kind of a big. You yeah. see it with his three point shot. He's more of a little bit more of a finesse kind of big. Um, almost slots in more as like an oversized four man rather than, you know, a five. 
So, I mean, I'd be interested to see him along Boo, alongside of Boo in stretches because I think that could be an interesting lineup if you go big and have Thomas at the three. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I don't know if we've seen enough from Hamir yet that McCasland or anybody really trusts him at this point to play that kind of a lineup because you just haven't seen a ton from him on either end. And, I mean, the foul trouble, four fouls in, what was it, not a lot of minutes. I mean, and then you three, can't stay on the had, floor that way. three against Buffalo in 14 minutes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, he hasn't, he hasn't been great for me. That's going to be a big, that's going to be a big thing to watch. I don't think it's like that big of a deal because I think they just move Thomas to the five if they need to, yeah. uh, but they don't have enough depth otherwise to like really shed minutes here outside of the top six. Um, unless Aaron Scott gets going and I, in limited minutes, I think I've liked what Aaron Scott has brought to a degree, but I don't trust him to play more than like 10 minutes against a good team. That's for sure. No, I agree. And he's still, he's making some of those freshman type mistakes to me where he had a couple plays. I don't remember which game it was, but he stepped on the out of bounds line when he was catching a couple passes. Twice. Yeah. He, he was just making some of those freshman type mistakes that you can't have on a team that's trying to contend for a championship. But I mean, if they're able to get, get him to sort of get some of those out of the way early in the season, and really settle in a little bit, he's going to be key for them because he is, I mean, basically the only backup for Thomas Bell. We've seen Jemiah in stretches, but really just this one game where they were blowing UTA out, it's going to be Aaron Scott as the backup for Thomas Bell. So he's going to have to do plenty of growing this year, and I'm confident he can. And uh, you want to talk about ugly shots. Aaron Scott's pretty much the exact opposite of that, man. Like, his jumper, it's clean looking, and Beautiful. you can just tell he's a guy that's going to knock down a bunch of shots once he gets going because Beautiful his jumper. jumper is so clean. Aaron Scott and Aaron – let's see. Just from what I've seen, it's probably – the top three is probably Aaron Scott, um, uh, what was it? Tyler Perry, and uh, Matt Stone. Oh, yeah. On the ones I've seen look beautiful. So I uh, I think Zephyr had a decent look to shot too when I saw him against OCU. Um, I Rashid I don't think Rashid was great. I'm trying to remember just as far as the look goes. I'm not saying anything about yeah. the quality, but anyways, um, that'll be a big thing. I will say, if Amir continues to struggle and Aaron, you know, doesn't take a giant step forward, I think they're going to be still looking for that seventh and eighth rotation. Like how they're going to work that out. And they put in Matt Stone really early yesterday against UTA. They, they were did. up like they were up like 20 points still, but it was still early in the game. I think Matt Stone could be in contention for some minutes. And as they're trying to figure out, like, okay, who do we like here? Who do we like here? Because while Matt Stone isn't like a, a wing, he's six four, he's strong. He looks he's a three and he's a three and D type guy at this moment. So, you know, I think that's a player, I think we could we could see more of through non-conference as they're trying to figure out what to do with this bench outside of Tyler. No, I agree with you. And he's shown, I mean, just from what I've seen out of him in practice, he's a guy that's going to, if he understands the system fully, he's going to give you all the effort in the world. And you're not going to have to worry about him, you know, slacking off for a play on the defensive end or anything like that. He does what this coaching staff needs him to do as long as he understands sort of the scheme and all of that stuff. I'm not worried about him playing at all. And like you said, I mean, with Hamir struggling some, Aaron Scott having some troubles with foul trouble, I agree with you. Matthew Stone is going to be one of those guys that is going to be key. Um, 
And if we want to go a little on the flip side, I don't know that Rashid Brown sees much time at all this year because he just has not looked impressive to me at all in the minutes mm-hmm. I've seen. I mean, it's been small sample size, but like even the minutes he played in garbage time against UTA, he wasn't defending the ball very well. He hits the one three, but outside of that, I don't have a lot of positives on him. He's got a lot of growing he needs to do before he really cracks the rotation. Yeah. Looking at kind of a general point, I'm looking through the box scores and looking at kind of some of stats. We're only three games into the season, uh, but the last two games, they really haven't, they haven't been effective from two too much. And I'm looking at it now um, on the season. And this is according to Kim Palm, which I'm, I'm trusting them to compile all these three stats, uh, these three games, rather. Kim Palm has them shooting 39% from two this season through three games, which Yikes. is 319th in the country. And we talked about, I think the Oklahoma Christian game, they shot 50 in the high fifties, I believe it was. So the last two games I was looking at Buffalo, they shot, I had it right here. Where'd it go? Uh, they shot 12 of 31, which is obviously, you know, 35%, something like that. Um, and then the UTA game, while again, they destroyed them. They only shot 10 of 25. So that's 40%. So, some somewhere around there. Um, I don't know exactly what the Oklahoma Christian number was. Now I'm kind of curious to look at that to see if I remember that correctly. But apparently they're not shooting the ball great from two, which we said is a big deal. And I think some of that's you know Thomas running in there, getting those shot, shots. Abu has finished, but he hasn't been great. Um, you know the the Ruben layups, like you said, haven't been great. So there have been some struggles there and that's just something to watch. I think moving forward on, on this offense, but um, I'm trying to look at their overall Kim Palm has them 178th in offense right now, which is obviously lower than what we expect them to finish at, but still something to watch 74th in defense at the moment. Yeah. When I just got the numbers from the Oklahoma Christian game, they were 72.7% inside the arc in that game. Okay. 24 of 33. Yeah, so I don't know uh, exactly where Kimpom got that number from because that doesn't feel like it's right. But yeah, just something to consider moving forward. Uh, something to watch is how they shoot from two because I do think without Zach Simmons and without Javion Hamlet, who really kind of carried that two-point production last year, where they're going to go for uh, inside the arc is, is interesting. No, also, 100%. Also, they are 353rd in tempo this year. So yeah, three, so three much games. for the faster pace, man. I yeah. think we pretty much knocked that one out of the park when we said it wasn't going to change much. Nope, nothing. <laughs> um, just incredible, incredible. Um, yeah, stay true to themselves. Uh, you have anything else here? I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing that has been impressive to me with, you know, not a ton of production from bigs outside of a boo. They've been strong on the offensive glass. 12 offensive boards against Buffalo. Uh, and then 14 against UTA. I mean, I get it. It was UTA. They weren't playing well, but the offensive glass has really been impressive to me. Obviously, Thomas has been a guy that's led the way there a little, but really it's been just the team effort and a lot of guys getting those boards. JJ's had a few um, and just a lot of guys across the board really have. So to me, that's something that if they can keep doing that, despite, you know, some of those lineups being a bit undersized, that's going to be a real key for them in conference play especially if they continue to struggle inside because the more chances you get, I mean, the better off you're going to be in terms of at least having a second chance to hit one of those shots. If you're shooting a bad percentage, especially with the way this offense plays, right? I mean, yeah. You take 30 seconds off the shot clock once, then you get the ball back. You can take 20 seconds off the shot clock again. 
I mean, hell, you burn a whole minute on a possession just by getting one offensive rebound. And yeah, Thomas is great at that. Obviously, I think Abu is is improving in that area. Uh, but JJ is a guy who just goes in there and tries to sneak any rebound he can. So um, that that's always a help. I mean, hell, against Buffalo, he had two offensive rebounds and no defensive rebounds. So yeah, I should tell you everything <laughs> you need to know about that. Uh, how how JJ kind of plays. Um, anything else? Because I, I kind of want to take a look at the, the schedule moving forward and just what we expect. Um, if you got nothing else on the the team. Yeah, I think that's pretty much all I had. Yeah. So I mean. Now we get into the real meat grinder. I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Kansas, then they play either the winner or loser of Miami and Dayton, depending on how they do against Kansas. So Kansas, then Miami slash Dayton, and then to be determined after that. Um, I know, I think Wake Forest is in this tournament as well, if I'm not mistaken. No, Wake Forest is in the LSU tournament. That's what it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're talking at least two very difficult games. Two top 100 opponents, probably. Yes, definitely. And then a third who's probably also on the fringe, if not definitely a top 100 team. And then you get Nevada. And Nevada, let's look where where they are in Kempom right now, just through three games. Yeah, Uh, they were close to like the 50s or 60s, right? Jesus Christ. Yeah, sorry, I was looking at that. I was was on the offensive-only numbers. Uh, And offensively, they are very high. Let's see. Nevada is 70th overall, 41st in offense. Yeah, 128th in defense. Um, I know they've had a really tough schedule in Nevada, and I don't need to look at them too much, but still, like, that's another really tough game. And yeah. then you just go from there. So let's just talk about the the Kansas uh, tournament, and the, not Kansas tournament, but the Kansas uh, game and that whole tournament. Uh, what are your expectations? Do they need to win a game from this tournament? Do they – have to look good like what what are you what are you looking for here i mean it all comes down to matchups right i actually pulled up the bracket so here's the the eight teams that are in the tournament it's dayton miami north texas kansas alabama iona belmont and drake so i mean i think it really just depends who they get get matched up against there's no way in hell you pick them to beat kansas obviously but i mean one of those miami or dayton games you feel like they have at least a shot to pull that off and then you end up playing Belmont, Drake, Iona, one of those teams. That should be another, I mean, fringe top 100 to below that. So, I mean, I feel like they should be able to pull off a win, at least one win, depending on the matchup, because they're going to get three games no matter what. But yeah. to me, it's just more about finding some of their their identity on the offensive side a little bit against some really, probably some really good defenses here. I mean, especially the Kansas one. If they're able to find their footing at all against those guys, that's going to be something that's promising. As you said, I mean, the more I think about it as well, it just makes sense. It's not going to matter much about the results because Conference USA is just not going to be a two-bid league for the foreseeable future unless somebody just pulls off a crazy run. So it's not going to be about the the outcomes so much as it is how they look in those games and what they're able to figure out. I mean, yeah. Uh, UAB would have had to beat South Carolina. Uh, North Texas would have had to beat Buffalo. Um, I think uh, Western had a result – I don't remember, but well, I think Western Kentucky had a result that wasn't as favorable. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, they, they haven't started getting those non-conference wins yet that they need. I will say in this tournament, I think the lowest-ranked team in Kim Palm uh, in this tournament is Iona at 156, but Drake is ranked in the borderline in – is in the top 60. And Drake last Man. year – I watched them uh, in the conference championship game last year, and they were good. I mean – 
there's just there's no pushovers in this tournament um at all. Miami's top 100. I think uh Dayton's 115 110 or 115 right now. It's going to be it's going to be a grind. I I I think they probably need to get one of these wins. But yeah. again, 2 years ago, they went and played in Jamaica, I think it was, and they lost both those games. And so we kind of left that like, okay, well, what next? But this feels different than that team two years ago because now they're two-time conference champs and been in the tournament. So it's a little different, you know, than it was two years ago. Two years ago, we didn't have any expectations. This year, it's like, okay, let's see. Let's see what y'all got against Kansas. And I don't think they're going to get blown up by Kansas because we've seen them compete with, like, West Virginia. We've seen them compete with uh, Mississippi State and stuff like that. Obviously, Kansas is Kansas. Um, yeah. I don't even know where they are in the AP poll, but I think they keep it with them for a bit. No, so. I agree. And, I mean – who knows? Cause you're playing on Thanksgiving day. Maybe Kansas comes out a little flat for that game, that kind of thing. They're not really, Oh, it's North Texas. Maybe they come out a little flat for it. They're number three in the eight. Yeah, right I just now. saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I take so, it back. I take it back. I take I mean, it back. There's no way you pick North Texas to beat these guys, but like, I think they could hang in there and maybe only end up losing by like 15, 20 points. Maybe. Yeah. I think that would be like a reasonable, you could be happy with that kind I, of an outcome. I think they definitely stay within 20. I'll, I'll make that prediction right now. I think they stay within 20 for sure. 100%. So yeah, I don't have anything else here. Do you? Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I, I like you said, I mean, starting with this tournament, it's going to be just really a gauntlet of teams, uh, in the non-conference. There's not a ton of letdown kind of teams beyond this. Cause even after the tournament, you get Nevada, UMass, Sam Houston, Wichita state, Tulsa, so there's a few games there that you're definitely going to pick them to win and maybe win big, but a lot of good teams on this non-conference slate. And it's going to be interesting to see how much that pays off, you know, down the stretch of the season. Cause it really seems like it has the last couple of years, them playing a bunch of tough teams. I mean, I'm over here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look up mass UMass while I'm here. Uh, Massachusetts, Massachusetts is one twelve in the country according to Kim Palm. Um, yeah. So again, you go through the schedule and I'm over here at LSU and they played UL Monroe already. They played McNeese already. Um, <laughs> and North Texas only has two gimme games in the entire yes. non-conference, like Oklahoma Christian and LSU Alexandria. That's it. Everybody else on here is live to beat you. And yes, UTA did not play well. I think UTA is better than that as far as just their talent goes. Oh yeah. But, and a lot of that credit goes to North Texas as well, but like every game on here, Sam Houston, Wichita State, UMass, Tulsa. These aren't these aren't gimme games. And that's really what makes this really interesting. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Probably, do, too, a, probably do a podcast after the, the tournament, uh, which was through that Sunday, November 28th. Yeah. Yep. So I think that pretty much puts a bow on it. Overall, can't be too sad with where North Texas is at at this point, even with the tough loss to Buffalo. A lot of promising signs early in the season. So we'll see how it continues to play out. Anyway, thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at MeanGreen247. Follow Matthew at MatthewBurney underscore. Follow me at JohnFieldZero. And we'll catch you guys next time.